Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning to you from this uh, chilly burr, uh, zero degrees here at the old radio ranch uh, as we get ready to kick things off for today. Hump day, middle of the week. Ready for the downhill slide to Firearms Friday? I am. But today is the, um, <clears throat> well, it's the beginning of our analysis of what's going to be going on this year in the legislature. It's for reals now, homeboy. It's uh, Tuesday. That would be yesterday was the start. And already you could see, <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be a big well, it's what we like to lovingly call a chocolate mess. I'm glad I wore the brown pants today. Uh, it's going to be an interesting. Uh, it's going to be an interesting time. Uh, today we're going to dive right into it. I was able to cajole and browbeat two guests into coming on board, uh, even though it is o dark thirty, and uh, only day two of the legislative session. And yesterday's session only started like halfway through the day, so you know how it is. Uh, but I wanted to just get a flavor. I wanted to get the flavor of what was happening out there in the legislature. And so today we're going to be joined by State Senators Rob Meyer. Uh, Rob Myers, who's going to be here with us in just a hot second. He's already in the green room waiting for me, uh, propping his eyelids open with toothpicks, I think, because it's uh, so early this morning. And then in hour two, State Senator Mike Schauer will get to us and maybe... I want to get the straight dope on what's happening. I'm seriously, can I, I really want to know and curious because of the fact that uh, Myers and Showers are still uh, in the, uh, I mean, are we even calling it a minority, super minority? They're in the corner. They're, they're, they're in the, they're where, they're the dunce patrol because they got the little dunce caps and they've been put their nose in the corner. I mean, I just, I don't even know at this point. So we'll find out about that. Uh, but it should be a full two hours of um, enlightenment. Let's put it that way. And I'm going to shut up and we're just going to get started because uh, uh, why not? Rob has been in the in the waiting room there for a bit. And, uh, you know, it was mean of me to uh, insist that he come on so early this morning. But uh, here he is. Good morning, my friend. Um, how are you? Um, how are you doing at uh, that? Oh, dark 30, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm vertical. And um, the 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 eyes are open. Uh, that's about all I'll give you so far. Okay, good, good. Well, I mean, I see, I see that we <clears throat> we started off with a bang yesterday. Uh, first things first, you know, the House attempted to uh, hold to uh, to vote for a joint session so that you guys could all get together and kumbaya and hold hands and give the education lobby everything that they wanted, and that was stalled um, <clears throat> with some of the members of the majority. Uh, moving over and voting uh, 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 with the uh, with the uh, 
uh, with a minority on that, making it a 20-20 split. Still couldn't go anywhere because of it, but uh, uh, it's it's interesting to say. But, I mean, Gary Stevens is already out there. This is our cry. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do education. We're going to get defined benefits. Then we're going to do ed- energy. That's our. That's what we're doing. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's very, and you, I know were quoted on the floor. Uh, you and I were chatting about this this morning, you and I were on the floor and you were already like, I hope the acrimony from last year is kind of a thing of the past, you know, because it takes two to tango. And then Gary Stevens and his, in his infinite, uh, in his infinite snark basically went on to say, well, we think we can dance, you know, we think we can, it's a difficult <laughs> dance, but I think we're up to the job kind of thing. And so, I don't know, you know, there's a lot happening. The governor came out with his priorities and everything. And so, so give us a, give us your first, and I know this is first, it, like I said, the session started at noon yesterday. So we're a little early here, but I'm sure there was a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes before the session started and then after. So give us some first impressions here and let's talk about what you expect to see this session. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're right. We did kind of start off with a bang. You know, I did my my little speech on the floor, um, which if you want to if you want to go view that, it's just a couple minute video on my my state senator Facebook page. Um, that was actually fairly well received. Surprisingly, you know, I had one or two people come up to me afterwards and tell me I didn't know what I was talking about. But I had I know I had a couple of other people that uh, did just watching, you know, facial expressions and body language. They were you know basically agreeing with me. Um, because in the, the majority, you know, the, the way things, you know, the way the session ended last year, um, you know, I think, I think probably pretty much every member of the majority, you know, kind of agreed with the outcome. They got what they wanted. Um, but a lot of them I know didn't agree with the process and that cuts across Republican and Democrat. It's not, that wasn't really a, a partisan issue. Um, so I think, I think my little speech on the floor was, was fairly well received, um, and uh, I was actually a little surprised that the Senate did not immediately start off with, uh, yeah, we're inviting the House for a joint session or, or something like that, um, because I know that more more than a majority in, in the Senate wanted to override the, that veto, um, but it, it didn't happen. And from what we can see, it's not going to happen. Um, we, uh, we already received word that uh, we're only doing one other floor session this week. That's going to be on Thursday. And I've heard uh that a number of people are leaving town on friday um so and the clock runs out on this thing runs out on saturday so um even with what the house did you know it's it i I, i'm pretty sure that thing is dead to rights right and just so folks know what he's talking about is that the legislature has a five-day window after the governor vetoes Mm -hmm. something they have five days from when they start the session to override the previous falls vetoes or the previous mm-hmm. spring's vetoes, I'm sorry. And so that's that's what they're talking about, is that you know if they don't get a joint session together and override it within five days at the start of the session, the governor's veto stands. I just wanted to clarify for people who weren't, oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> weren't in the know there. Sometimes you get a little too wrapped up in the inside baseball and you gotta, and you forget you gotta, gotta, you know, not everybody knows the minutia of this stuff. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think that the the education veto override that you know we've been getting emails hammering us for the last three or four weeks, I, I think that's pretty much a dead letter. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, obviously there was nothing 
on the floor of both bodies that kind of directed uh, against one or the other. But, uh, you know, kind of the the feeling in the building is, uh, yeah, there's still a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths after after the way last session ended there. That hasn't really gone away. So um, it's going to be an interesting next few months um, watching what what happens here. And, and you're right. I'm still in the in the super minority, I'm put in the corner. We we thought there might have been a change to that. Um, we had gotten told last year that if you behave, there there you know you might get something more. And well, we thought we behaved, but nothing has changed. So yeah, well, here here we are. So and then, um, and just for folks again, who for folks who don't know, Mike Shower, Rob Myers, and Shelly Hughes are you know they're the bad children who are sitting in the corner and get told what to do. Uh, essentially they've been disenfranchised as legislators. They have no committees. They have nothing else. They're, you know, they're basically, well, well <clears throat> they're observers at this point with some ability to kick and scream a little bit at this. At we, th we each technically have one committee. Okay. So I am, I am on the transportation committee, which sort of makes sense with my background as, as the truck driver, but you got to remember the transportation committee is basically in, in the, the pecking order of the committees down here, it's basically the least important of the of the standing committees. Um, Mike and Shelley are each on a committee, but they're each on a special committee, not a standing committee. Right. Um, so each of their committees, I think, in the last 12 months has met once. So, so, so essentially, I was right. You have no committees, you know, pretty much. Effectively, I mean, yes. Yeah, effectively, yeah. it's 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 a nothing burger uh, at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, I had to, <clears throat> I had to laugh and it's interesting that you say that, you know, many of the, of the Senate, um, were happy with the outcome of last year. And just to recap for people who are just joining us and not figuring out what happened last year, the, uh, the Senate pulled an end run around the uh, house and, uh, they did a turducken bill. Usually traditionally one body gets the operating budget and one body gets the capital budget. And then you, uh -huh. then after they've set them up, they swap them so that they can amend and compare and everything else. Well, the House sent the operating budget over to the uh, over to the uh, Senate, and then wow. they stuffed everything together into one bill and a turducken, waited to the last five hours of the session, and then turned it over to the House and said, we're leaving, take it or leave it. So it was, I mean, <clears throat> I classified it last year as kind of a terroristic threat of trying to hold people hostage, basically turning a budget over five hours before the session is legally supposed to end, and then uh, saying, and by the way, we're on our way to the airport. We're leaving town. See ya. Um, which just outraged many Alaskans because it's an abuse of the process. Um, and yeah. it, it violates all tradition. And, uh, and you know, and and really uh, it just the norms and the politeness of the of people trying to work together. Um, and, and, and so it's interesting that you say that there were a lot of people that liked the outcome, meaning they got their way, but they weren't happy with the way it went down. Um, but are there any guarantees? I mean, the paper is talking about how the, the, the majorities of both the house and the Senate kind of, they got together to smooth the waters this summer to make sure it didn't happen again. And, but I mean, there's the way that it's written, it says, let me, let me go back to it because it says there's no guarantees. Um, it said, uh, uh, let's see, the, uh, if, ask if anything had changed in the dynamic between the chambers since the legislature was last in session. Kathy Tilton, the House Majority Leader, said 
that the majority had had conversations with Senate leadership about avoiding similar situations in the future. And she says, well, I guess fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, which doesn't sound encouraging, man. It sounds like it sounds like she's saying it went essentially nowhere and they're going to have to watch it to make sure they don't get fooled again. And that that's a little concerning to me. Well, I mean, ultimately, you've got the same players in the same positions. Um, and I mean, the turducken thing is not unheard of. It's been done a few times in the past, but when, when it was done in the past, it was done with agreement from both bodies. You know, there was a timing issue or something right. like this. Well, and they had plenty uh, of time to discuss it afterwards. It wasn't dropped on the it wasn't dropped on the other body with five hours remaining in the session. It was correct. weeks usually before the end of the session so they could hash it out. This was right. just like, you know, at gunpoint, holding it to your head, saying, mm -hmm. make a decision right now. We're leaving Sweet Lips. And I think that right. that was what really got a lot of people upset. Right. And, you know, and, and, you know, process is not a partisan issue. It, you know, you, you know, some Republicans and Democrats are very, very big on process. Some Republicans and Democrats, you know, just throw process out the window as much as they can. And it's, it's really, um, you know, it, it, it cuts both ways, you know, because process is what keeps the majority from steamrolling the minority. The, you know, the majority usually gets gets their way anyway in the long run, but it at least gives the minority a chance to have a voice, right. participate like that. Um, process is really what keeps us from mob rule down here. Um, and when you violate, you know, and we've kind of got two pieces of process. You've got the, the written stuff in the constitution and uniform rules and the like, and then you've got the unwritten stuff in the, in the, the traditions, you know, that's decorum, civility, respect, things like that. And, right. You start to, you know, and unfortunately, that's something that's, I, I think, you know, part of what we saw last year is kind of part of an ongoing uh, problem. You know, when when everything started to get acrimonious back during the Walker administration, during the budget fights and then the fights over the PFD and, and things like this, you started to see the civility slowly drop. And... Um, it's, it's just kind of been going slowly downhill. And, and I've talked to a, a number of people, you know, granted, I've only been here a few years, but um, I've talked to a number of people who have been here a lot longer than me, either as legislators or as staffers. And part of the reason that we've had so much legislative turnover is because of the, uh, the rising acrimony. We've actually had a lot of staff turnover because of that. You know, a lot of guys that have, have worked here 10, 20, 30 years that you know, really knew their way around the building um, and, and understood how this worked. Um, ha, that's, you know, they, a lot of them have quit and, you know, we can talk all, all we want about the, 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 you know, not, not being fans of, of long-term bureaucracy and things like that. But I think maybe in this case, we've gone too far the other direction. We've lost so many people that a lot of the institutional knowledge um, and things like that is gone in a lot of offices. And so, you know, that, it's kind of concentrated in just a few. And so we're seeing some of the results of that. Yeah. Um, well, I was just going to say, I mean, they, you know, yes, we don't want long-term bureaucracies, but we also need a functioning infrastructure in the legislature. Yeah. And if people know how the process works and you're not constantly having to train new staff to make it work, I mean, there has to be something in there. And even if, if even the staff is leaving because it's a hostile work environment and it's acrimonious, then yeah, maybe we've got a, 
maybe there maybe we've got a problem here rob myers is our guest we're going to continue with him here in just a moment uh mike shower coming up in hour two uh we'll be we'll be back in just a moment don't go anywhere the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free-thinking radio back with more and rob myers right after this If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Rob Myers is our guest here on the program. And Brian says, wait, wait. So maybe defined benefits isn't the reason people are leaving, you know? (laughs) Somebody said it the other day that, you know, studies and statistics show that people don't leave positions because of bad pay. Generally speaking, about 85% of them leave because of bad management and bad interpersonal relationships and, you know, and hostile work environments and stuff like that. They're not leaving because of the pay. They're leaving because of the frustration of everything that's around it. And, yeah, if you're losing staff because, you know, everybody's tired of playing the uh, the the snipe snipe, you know, war games out on the floor. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a continuing problem. You know, it's, it's interesting just kind of bringing up the defined benefits thing. I was at a, a forum that some of the unions put together up in Fairbanks back in was that August or September, something like that. And they're talking about the, you know, they're making their push for the defined benefits. Um, so I just wanted to show up and see what they had to say. It was interesting that they actually admitted it. They said that um, they actually finally started conducting some exit interviews on people and saying, okay, why are you leaving the job? And uh, defined lack of defined benefit was actually only number three on their list. Number one was pay. Number two was working conditions. And I was like, well, that's interesting to me. And so I'm sitting here going, so maybe actually fixing the defined benefit thing might not get us as much retention as they're trying to tell us that it would. But right at hmm. the at the price tag that they're talking about. Yeah. I mean, right. You know, okay, so maybe we could fix the pay. And that actually was what the governor was trying to do last year with the bonuses and other things to fix the annual pay of some of the teachers and things like that. But I think, again, the work environment is something that's important as well. I mean, if this if this kind of stuff is trickling down into the rest of the bureaucracy where there's, you know, pot shotting and, and, and acrimony and everything like that, I can understand how it would be uncomfortable to want to go to work every day and have to deal with that. Well, there was a there was an article in the uh, so I mean, like, you know, ADN and some of the other you know media have have, you know, piled pretty heavily on on Dunleavy about, uh, you know, creating a hostile work environment, in the executive branch or whatever. But there was a, an interesting op ed uh, a couple of months ago. And if I remember, right, it was actually Libby Bacalar, um, you know, who used to work for the state. And uh, she said, yeah, there's a hostile work environment problem, but it's been brewing for decades just been slowly, steadily getting worse. And I'm like, well, if that's part of your problem and that's why we can't retain people, then yeah, I don't think defined benefits is going to do a whole lot there. Right. Exactly. Uh, I mean, if, if this is, if these are tensions that have been building for a long time, then yeah. And I don't think you can lay this at the feet of any one specific administration. That's for sure. No. Uh, there's been, there's been bad, there's been bad blood brewing in there for quite a long time. So it's a it's an interesting it's 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 an interesting situation. We'll put it that way. Um, when we come back here in just a moment, I want to uh, 
kind of dive into some of the other things, the priorities the governor talked about. What do you think the Senate and the House? I mean, because they both said that they have certain. Well, the one thing that they agree on is energy, right? That's the cheaper energy. I mean, the House has said that's their priority. That's like number three on the Senate's list <laughs> after defined benefits and education. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I want to know, you know, what goes on from there. Um, Jess in the chat room says, ask Alaska figures. Uh, meanwhile, as Alaska figures out why teachers cannot be retained, ask me why. I mean, well, why, Jess? I mean, I, I'm with you on that. I think from what I've heard is that it's not necessarily about the retirement. It's more about, again, the pay and the situation of not having enough teachers to do what they need to do. Instead, we've got a massive amount of overhead in the administrative side of things, which I, again, we talked on Monday about with uh, Sarah Montalbano, that that's a huge problem. The fact that the uh, that the administrative side is growing at a much greater rate than uh, than anything else, uh, Rob. Yeah, um, well, you know, I I was out campaigning uh, back in twenty two, and I was out knocking on doors, and um, you know what? We can continue this on the other side. I know we got coming back into it, but okay. yeah, I heard a very interesting story from a, a young woman who used to teach in a lot in Fairbanks and uh, decided to quit, okay. and uh, still in town, hasn't left, but. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll pick that up here as soon as we return. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. No, not your daddy, nor do I play him on TV. No, no, no. It's just not your daddy's talk radio. That's what it's all about here on the program. The Michael Duke Show. We're continuing now with Rob Myers, state senator for District Q up in the interior. He joins us this morning to talk a little bit about what's going on with the session. And we were just talking about, you know, employees and everything else. We're hearing right now that, you know, there's a crisis in the state. Oh, we can't hire enough people in the state government, in especially teachers. Although this is not a uniquely Alaska problem, every school district in the country is having a problem retaining teachers right now. So to me, that speaks to a much larger issue that I don't think that just having a defined benefits plan is going to fix. And you said that while you were on the campaign trail, you you ran across something that may back that up a little bit. Hit me with the uh, hit me with the story here, uh, Rob. Yeah. So was, when I was campaigning during the last election in 22, I was out knocking on doors and um Ran across uh, one young woman. Um, she was what early thirties, I think. She told me she's had a teaching certificate. She used to work for the Fairbanks School District, and you know the story is, oh well, they're you know these teachers are, are coming up here. We're their first job. They're hanging around for five years to get vested in the DB or in the DC plan, and then they're taken off down south and taking their retirement plan with them, and then go work for somebody who actually has a DB plan. And I'm like, okay, there may be some of that potentially, but um, this young woman was was uh, telling me a little different story. She worked for the she was a teacher for the school district for a couple of years, um, still had her teaching certificate and everything like that. But she decided that she'd rather be a stay at home mom. Um, she and she wasn't leaving state because her husband had a really good job as an equipment operator uh, up in the in the Fairbanks area working for for a 
a pretty good employer. And uh, she told me that uh, she decided she didn't want to be involved with the Fairbanks School District because uh, she didn't like uh, how they were uh, letting uh, certain people use a different bathroom than they used to. And, uh, you know, a few other related issues uh, right. of how they were dealing with with gender and, and stuff like that. And she she couldn't agree with those policies. So that's why she wasn't going to be a teacher anymore. It's like, that's a very interesting story. That's uh, a little bit of a break from what uh, the official uh, official narrative is on why people are leaving. That's probably not a question that gets asked in the exit interviews either is like, you know, OK, is it pay? Is it retirement? Is it defined benefits or is it you know, the DEI ESG stuff that the schools are now trying to take part in is that, you know, you're now you are now the ambassador for all these policies that we're trying to put together. And is it something that you could stand behind? I mean, I know several teachers throughout my life that I know for a certain fact that they wouldn't have been part of that, that they would have retired immediately if those mm-hmm. kind of things, if they've been had, if they basically got the word from on high that they had to go do those things. But I mean, again, I think that this is not just a problem. Obviously, in the state of Alaska, this is a national problem. You know, school districts across the country are struggling to do this. So I don't think Alaska is going to fix this simply by trying to throw, well, billions of dollars at it. I mean, let's talk for a second here about uh, about uh, the defined benefits. The the Senate president has said this is uh, one of their priorities. They want to hit education first. Then they want to get this defined benefit plan in. And then they want to talk about energy. The House, they've said that their number one priority is affordable energy for the state of Alaska. So I guess at least they agree there. But uh, this defined benefits plan, this is a big deal. Uh, I mean, this is a lot. Even the even the most rosy pictures we're seeing is something like almost a billion dollars a year for for the next 10 years. Um, you know, and in some cases they're saying it could be over $1 billion for each year in addition to what we're paying now. And we still owe, I want to remind people, we still have a, over a $6 billion unfunded liability for the last time we were in defined benefits. So it's still there. We've, we've whittled it down from 13 billion down to six, but it's still there. So give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I when when the the union started pushing this stuff real heavy uh, a couple of years ago, you know, they were they were asking me on like questionnaires and a couple of interviews and stuff back during the last campaign. Um, of course, you know the the push all of last year and stuff, uh, talking about the DB plan. Um, and I, I I told them I said, look, just show me the numbers. Show show me that this does not bankrupt us in thirty or forty years. That's what I want to know. I don't have a I don't have an ideological problem with with DB. It's just I understand that that the way DB works, and because this has been a problem, you know, uh, across the country for 50 years now, is DB plan doesn't bust you next year or in five years. It gives you problems 30, 40 years down the line. Right. So show me the numbers that that's not going to cause our, our our state to go bankrupt. And um, you know, they they were supposed to be doing the actuarial studies uh, on this thing over the. Um, over the interim and so those should get released to the public here sometime soon whenever that that bill has its its next hearing in the finance committee um which i imagine will probably be real you know sometime in the next couple of weeks um but kind of what i'm hearing uh through the grapevine kind of like what you said is that they're saying yeah this is going to cost us somewhere in the neighborhood of a billion dollars a year and i'm sitting here thinking to myself all right billion dollars a year that's right about what we just sent out with the last dividend check. Um, let's see, we're gonna throw on, they wanna throw on a, another couple hundred million dollars a year in education funding. Um, 
you know, we're talking about, you know, plenty of other spending priorities as well. And, and it's like, well, this is during a period when oil prices are either flat or slightly declining. Um, the stock market uh, is more or less flat. Um, at a minimum, it's not keeping up with inflation. And those are our two biggest um, sources of, of income right now. So um, let's see. So exactly when is the PFD going away again? You know, I, I got assured on the floor last year for a couple of people that said, well, I don't think anybody here really wants the PFD to go away. Yeah, but you're not doing anything to stop it either. So um, that's it, it, it. You know, if if those sorts of, you know, if, if the people that are pushing the DB and, and other things get their way, then, you know, PFD has gone in a few years and then we throw on a tax on top of that. And, you know, that it, here's, you know, kind of the question I've heard is, you know, I, I had some somebody say uh, a few weeks ago to me and said, well, you know, we, we may end up with a, a question of <clears throat> having a having no PFD and having a little bit of a tax or having a PFD and having a bigger tax. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, no, actually, in the in the long run, I think the size of the tax will probably be the same because the size and type of tax is probably what's going to stop the spending or slow it down at least because right. we got no reason to slow it down until then right and so it's not a question of what size tax do you want it's a question of what size government do you want by the time you get to the tax right well and and again you 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 said it right there when it says defined benefits defined benefits doesn't hurt you in the one year, five year, even 10 year period. I mean, the look at the last defined benefits. It was set up in the late seventies, early eighties, and it took almost 25 years for it to really start to show how much it was going to cost. Then you had the actuarial malfeasance that went on and everything else. And all of a sudden we're $13 billion in arrears in a state that had 600,000 people. And you're like, what? I mean, it, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was shocking. And, uh, and we've seen the track record of defined benefits around the country um, with different various entities, including private industry and municipal governments and state governments. And they've almost all shied and sheared away from it because you can't bet on the income. You can't say how much that 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 benefit X, whether it's healthcare benefits or whatever, you can't say what that's going to cost in 20 years, yet you're guaranteeing that you're going to pay for it. And that's part of the problem. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, so we got out of the defined benefits in, uh, was that 2005, 2006, um, <clears throat> somewhere around there. And um, it, the, one of the lesser told stories from the 2008 financial crisis has to do with it as well. There were a ton of cities, mostly in California, but you had Detroit and a couple others too, that were declaring bankruptcy basically because uh, the stock market killed their DB plan. They, they had two issues happen at the same time. One was the local economy tanked, which meant that, you know, property tax revenues and things like that all, you know, flew out the window. And at the same time, the stock market tanks and that that all of a sudden kills you know what they're trying to earn with their investments on their db plan and all of it you know they went to to a point where they thought they were fine and all of a sudden they were underwater and there were a couple of cities i was reading about where they said yeah we could fire every single current employee and we'd still be in bankruptcy because of how much we're paying in benefits to past retired employees right 
No, I mean, it's a, it's a shocking thing, and we can't just keep... Here's the thing. The state continues to try and do the one thing which I think that no government should do, which is to try and be all things to all people. We want all this stuff. We want all these things. And as Brad you know, says, nobody's asking the question, who pays? Uh, and right. I think that's that should be the ultimate question on anything that goes on the floor of the House or the Senate. Okay, you want this, whatever it is, education, uh, DBs, you know, child care, whatever it is that you want. And the question is, okay, you want that. Who pays for it? Where is the money coming from? Um, and you you and I were having a conversation offline. And, of course, one of my favorite uh, uh, one of my favorite little commentaries is from de Tocqueville, who talks about, uh, you know, finding when the when the when the uh, government finds out that they can vote themselves large largesse out of the Treasury uh, and the people don't seem to care, then they're you know, they're ruling the roost. And now both the state and the federal government are kind of in that position, only they don't really have to tax people more to spend more government. They just borrow more or they take things like the PFD. Right. And, and in in. If I remember right, the, the, the quote says um, the the American Republic will survive until Congress realizes that it can bribe the people with the people's money. And I mean, that's a bad enough situation right there, what he's trying to describe. Um, and we can, you know, argue uh, uh, about which points in history that Congress was doing that. But I think that now we're in a, a worse spot, both, as you mentioned, at the state and the federal level, because now they're not bribing the people with the people's money. They're not taxing one group to give it to another group you know, which is bad enough, they're saying, oh, well, we found a way to get around that. So we don't have the pushback uh, from the group that we're taxing, which might, you know, stop us, you know, might might vote us out. Um, you know, the, the federal government is borrowing money. And of course, yes, that bites you in the butt later on. That's what we've seen with the inflation over the last few years. That's the result of, of that, um, that pattern that started kind of back in the 80s. Um, but what we saw, you know, what, but the, the state is basically doing the same thing with the permanent fund and except that they're forgetting that, you know, the, the investment earnings might be a slightly better, uh, slightly less volatile form of income compared to, uh, oil prices, but it's still a pretty volatile, uh, set of income. And so you, you got a slowly creeping upward government, uh, cost. And that's assuming we don't add anything else, you know, uh, at the same time that you have a, an income stream that can wildly swing all over the place. And when you have an income stream that people don't you, that you don't have pushback for, like you would on a regular, you know, regular tax of some kind, then the, the only incentive for the people is to clamor for more spending. When you have a when you have a tax, at least you've got kind of that tension between yeah we want more but we want but we want less taxes. Well, they found a, a, a way around that, and so the only clamor is spend more money. And we might argue about what we're spending it over, what we're spending it on defined benefits or on infrastructure or more money to healthcare or childcare or uh, you know public safety or something like that. You know we, we we might have those arguments, but we never have the argument of it needs to be spending for you know how much do we want to spend versus how much is this going to cost us you know we we they've short-circuited that we don't right. have that tension anymore right no again and and you and i have talked at length about the then the 
that causes the divorce of the public and the private economy. They're no longer joined because there is no, like you said, there's no tension points of pulling back and forth because the government economy has to draw from the private economy for its revenue and everything else. And so that then there would be pushback from the private economy to hold the size of scope of government down. But because in Alaska, <clears throat> they don't draw any money uh, in that regards. I mean, regularly they do by, by the confiscatory portion of taking the PFD, but because there's no direct tax or anything else, that's one of the things that people are just disconnected from the whole process. And it's, I mean, it's definitely uh, frustrating to say the least. Uh, State Senator uh, Rob Meyer is our guest. We are coming down to it. We've got to go. Uh, We're going to continue in just a moment. And then Mike Shower will be joining us at the top of the next hour. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Be back with more in just a moment. And Rob Myers, don't go anywhere. Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Rob Myers is our guest. Uh, how true do you think that is, Rob? That there's, the staffers are listening and they're transcribing and they're listening to what you're saying and they're going to hold this against what you say can and will be used against you in the court of public opinion amongst the majority members. Do you think that that's uh, going on right now? Uh, so, well, I'll just say that last year uh, you and I were on the radio and uh, it was uh, somewhat near the end of session. I'm wanting to say it was like near the end of April or something. Uh, we were talking and um, I got into the building later that day and I'm sitting on the floor and one of my colleagues says, oh, you were talking about me on the radio today. Hmm. That was quick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's listening. Somebody's listening. There's a lot of people in the chat room who are ghosting and not saying a word right now. I could see that right now. There's a lot of people who are listening, but nobody's saying anything. No, I imagine that there's a goodly portion of folks who are uh, hanging out there, just hanging on your every word, trying to, uh, you know, trying to use it later on to hang you from your own petard, so to speak. Um, I want to talk. Memories are long around here. Huh? Memories are long around here. Yeah, memories are long and and, uh, memories are long and skin seems to be pretty thin, even Mm -hmm. though even though they like to wield things like a like a fat bludgeon. Uh, like in regards to the budget at the end of last year, even though they like to uh, to be pretty loose and free with the traditions and everything else, they seem to be a little thin-skinned about any well, form of criticism of their positions. Not of them as people, um, but even even just, I mean, I can criticize people for, for what they do as people, but even just a criticism of their position seems to incense some people. Yeah, and that's, that's a little nutty to me. I mean, it's like, okay... Yeah, we shouldn't have personal attacks. I, I, I agree with that. I shouldn't be saying, you know, so-and-so is a dirty SOB or something like that. But to talk about policy and positions and principles and, and things like that. And, you know, I, you know, we freely acknowledge that people come from different positions. And yet to to say, no, I believe you're wrong. Not I think you're a bad person, but I just think that you are incorrect. 
and somehow somebody's mad about that. I'm like, right, really? Right. Really? I didn't say you were a horrible person, although I personally believe some of these people are horrible people. But I didn't say you're a horrible person. I just said that I happen to disagree with your position. Oh, that makes me a dirty so-and-so, and now my voters deserve to be disenfranchised because you got your feelings hurt about me taking a stand against your position? That seems like so third grade at this point. You know, and I mean, you, you got to admit, you know, with politics, <clears throat> if you're going to talk about people that run for elected office, it's going to tend to attract people who have large egos. And of course, people that have large egos usually yeah. don't like it when their egos get popped a little bit. Sure, <clears throat> sure. Well, so. yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, <laughs> there. I remember seeing a study from Doug Casey about 10 years ago that talked the, about the... Uh, the the frequency and the occurrence in the United States of sociopathy, a uh, sociopathy, and um, and then the breakdown of the percentiles, and then the analysis of elected officials and the fact that there are more sociopaths in in elected mm-hmm. office than there are in the general population. That that seems to be where they gravitate towards. It was kind of an eye opening study uh, and and discussion. But, yeah, I mean, these are people who have big egos that believe that they know better than everybody else how things should be done. And if you question them, that really rocks their boat because that that, you know, runs right up against that cognitive bias and and it creates that dissonance in them that they can't possibly be wrong. And they take it as a personal attack. Um, I can have somebody disagree with me on something. No problem. It doesn't hurt my feelings because I'm strong enough in my convictions to know that unless you could show me where I'm wrong. Uh, your feelings don't really matter at that point. Uh, whether you feel that I'm right or wrong, it does, doesn't hurt my feelings one way or the other. Uh, but some people just can't, uh, you know, some people just can't get beyond those things. Um, I, I just remember, Michael, the sign of a sociopath is whether or not you care about what other people think about you. Well, that's true. Uh, that's true. Uh, that is true. Uh, I probably have some sociopathic tendencies. I would probably embrace that idea right now and uh, understand. Although I care about what I care about other people in general. I care about them as people. I just don't care what they think about me, um, which, you know, uh, which is, I think, being where I'm at has probably been a benefit for me more than anything else. Some of the criticism <laughs> that I've taken over the years. Um, <clears throat> all right. So we're going to come up on the next uh, segment and I want to talk to you about, you know, give me Vegas odds on some of the things that are going to be talked about this year, the education, the defined benefits, the energy, mm-hmm. the childcare. Let's talk about that. And then let's talk about what your priorities are. We're going to have about uh, 12 minutes here, uh, before we uh, run out the clock for this hour. And then we'll just see what, uh, we'll, we'll see where we go from there. All right. Yep. Uh, all right. Rob Myers is our guest. We're going to continue here in just a hot second. Uh, almost 60 people in the chat room, but only 20 of you have liked the show. That really does help, by the way. It helps with the algorithm. It gets more people. It gets in front of more people. The more people that like it, the more people it shows up in their feed. So please, wherever you are, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, like the show, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. Here, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. <laughs> well, there is a pinch. I guess it depends on your definition of... My grandma's definition of a pinch is a lot different than mine. 
She's like a pinch of cinnamon, and I'm like, sister, grab three, four big fingers of that and throw that in there. I love that cinnamon <laughs> stuff. It's a pinch. Uh, Rob Myers is our guest, uh, state senator for District Q up in the interior. Uh, we're talking about the session. Okay, so everybody's announced what their priorities are, right? The uh, uh-huh. Senate has said they want more student funding and more education funding. They want defined benefits, and then they want to talk about energy costs. The House has said their number one priority is uh, energy costs and affordability because they want to stop the out-migration from the state. Because we're, what, we're in year 9 or 10 now of out-migration in the state. And so they think that's important. Obviously, those priorities don't all align. But give me some Vegas odds here. As you look at it, and we all went into this session knowing that nobody, none of the players had changed. Well, with the exception of the one member of the House that resigned and then got replaced. But, I mean, there's really been almost no change in the makeup, there's been no change, as Rob just told us, in the organization. You guys didn't get any. You apparently weren't good enough kids last year to get your presence in your suites this year. Um, so give me some Vegas odds on what you think is going to happen here uh, in this session. Considering, one, I guess I should say up front, it is an election year, which means that most of these people are up for a re-election and they want to get back out on the street. So they can uh-huh. start because you can't raise I can't send Rob a check for his campaign right now because he's in session. So they want to uh-huh. get back out on the street. Uh, so, Rob, give me your Vegas odds of what's going on here. Well, I think that's the one thing that both sides are going to agree on is we want to get out of here. Uh, we don't we want don't want extended session. So, yeah, OK, the 90 day session is out the window. We know that um, that's not going to happen. But no, we'll be out of here on time. May what 17th, I think, or something is the day 121. So. Um, We'll, we'll be out of here on that day. Nobody's going to want to go to extended session. Everybody wants to get home. Um, and, you know, as, as, as we mentioned already that, you know, since the, the players haven't changed, the positions haven't changed, then, you know, you kind of already know the, the, the playing field, you know, the first year we kind of dance around each other a little bit as we're kind of figuring out, you know, who, we, who each other are and how everybody's going to behave in their new spots. But the second year we're all in the same spots. We already know how this is going to go. Um, you know, there, there may be some differences this year because the House is going to play a little different with the Senate, uh, you know, based on what happened at the end of last year. I have no idea exactly how that's going to play out. I've heard half a dozen different speculations, but I'm sure they're going to try something different. Um, as far as each of the priorities, um, as you mentioned, energy seems to be the one thing everybody kind of agrees on. Um, and I'll, I'll agree, you know, the, the heating oil prices and electricity, of course, you know, things like that, that that those are, you know, way too stinking high. Um, my question is, how exactly do you fix them without it turning into a boondoggle? Um, you know, what I keep thinking about is the the clean coal plant in in Healy that GVA is is working on shutting down here. Um, you know, that thing got built by Ada. That's a state agency, right? Uh, what was that? Somewhere around 1990 when they first started yep. on that. Yep. Um, Ada couldn't get that thing working properly for 20 years they sold it to gva gva spent another 10 years working on it basically said it's not worth throwing good money after bad and said the older dirty coal plant we will invest money in because that thing has a over 90 percent uptime that thing is the workhorse of the system this sucker is so screwed up that it's got uh, under a 60 percent uptime and the darn windmills are actually more reliable than the healy clean coal plant and I've talked to a couple of former employees from the, the clean coal plant, and they're like, yeah, we've had so many accidents there. We're actually kind of surprised nobody's gotten killed. Um, 
So my question when they start talking about energy is, okay, how do you prevent the boondoggle? Because, you know, 40 years ago, we built Bradley Lake and that provides us the cheapest energy on the, on the inner tie right now, which is great. But 40 years ago, I think we had a little different mindset in this state of, yeah, we're actually going to build infrastructure in order to build a state. The, it, over the last 40 years, that's morphed so that the capital budget most of the time isn't about building our state anymore. The capital budget is how do I put some construction jobs in my district for the next couple of years so I can buy my reelection. Right. You know? And when, when that is your mindset, as opposed to the mindset of let's actually build something useful and decide and, and see if we're actually going to get a good ROI. And I'm working on a bill for that. But if we're going to decide, you know, we're, if, if the decision of whether or not we're getting a good ROI is already out the window, then this just it we're not in the right place right now, in my opinion, to do some of these energy projects because we're not going to have the correct goal in mind. We may say the nice, the, the right things. I'm sure we'll say all the right things, but the way we're actually going to behave and what we've got in the back of our minds is not there. And so I, I just don't personally, I just don't trust that. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a problem. I mean, uh, and I have some of the issues. Uh, I have some issues with even some of the bills that are coming out of the what's considered the more conservative side of the house where they're talking about, you know, uh, offering incentives and no royalties and all these other kind of things. But it really right. kind of things that we've proven in the past that don't necessarily work the way that they think that they're going to work to try and incentivize more energy production. I mean, again, Bradley Lake, Terror Lake, all these other things. Why aren't we talking more about some of these more long-term investments that would benefit the majority of the people in the long run and be long-term projects? But as you said, they seem to be more concerned with making sure that they get their slice of the pie and that people in their districts are benefited. This goes right back to de Tocqueville, right? All over the, it's, it's exactly uh-huh. the same thing. It's the de Tocqueville thing. And, uh, and I think that that's a problem, but Again, going back to the main priorities from the Senate is they want that education and that defined benefits. The House doesn't seem to be interested in those discussions. What do you think happens there? I So the education, I think something will happen. I don't know exactly what, but, you know, the Senate, of course, you've got, you know, 14, 15 people that want more money into education and, and nothing else. On the House side, you have... I mean, if, if, if you ignore party, ignore majority, minority, yeah, you probably have half the house or maybe a little more that want more money into, into education, maybe not as much, but they want more money into education. The, the other question is what else happens with education? Because you've got an, the other half of the house that actually wants to talk about outcomes that wants to talk about, um, you know, how do we actually, you know, target the money towards for example, teachers, as opposed to just throwing money willy nilly at the at the formula, we we want to talk about um, some other more targeted things, um, more policy issues than just money, um, you know, th- things like that. And so um, I think that something will happen on education because everybody's thinking about education. We're just kind of thinking in different directions, and so there may be a little horse trading going on behind the scenes that I'm not party right. to. I don't know. Well, and I think anything that happens with education has to have some accountability tied to it, you know, and of course we've talked about on the program here where 
the majority of these monies are not even making it down. They keep saying it's about the children, but the majority of the monies are not making it down into the classroom. It's being sucked up by overhead and administrative costs and all those other kind of things. And anytime somebody suggests tying some kind of accountability to more money, it stopped cold. And I just, uh, you know, if it's if this is truly about making sure the kids' education is better, and God, it couldn't get much worse at this point based on where we're at in the NEEP scores and everything else, then why, you know, Maybe they could all come together in Kumbaya and everybody could see some kind of increase if there was an accountability issue that was tied to it. Do you think that is a possibility? I'm sure that's part of the conversation. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to say exactly what's going to happen. It, it, like I said, most of this stuff is happening behind the scenes right now. Um, and there's the, the kind of the one thing to watch today is there's a, a hearing in the house rules committee and the rules committee, like never holds hearings, right. Having to do with a bill that has to do with, uh, education funding. It's, it's not the BSA bill. It's uh, a bill that started out as internet for schools. And then in house finance last near the end of last year, they started throwing a ton of other stuff into it too. So I'm interested to see what comes out of that meeting this afternoon. All right. Well, we'll be watching for that. Uh, Rob Meyer, state senator, thank you for coming in and joining us. Folks, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. I'm sorry to cut you off there. We were uh, right up near the near the thing. Uh, final okay. final two minutes, Rob, now that you're awake and ready to go and, and got uh, got some some uh, electrolytes on board, what... Uh, what uh, any any final thoughts here for what folks can expect to see and what you expect to see here in the next uh, 120 days? May the 16th, by the way, is the final day of the session. 16th, there we go. Yeah, May. I I, I I actually had to do a Google. What's 121 days from yesterday? Uh, so <laughs> May the 16th uh, is the final day. What uh, any final thoughts here as we go forward? Well, just kind of you know a list of of our priorities. You know, I'm, uh, we're we're looking at. Uh, couple looking at things in a couple of ways. One is, um, you know, we do have some bills that that we're looking at to try to fix some problems. Um, I've got a bill uh, dealing with um, nonprofit property tax exemptions. The Fairbanks Borough and its infinite wisdom has decided that uh, they need more money, so they're going to go ahead and tax the food bank and the churches and a few other places like that. Um, and so we're trying to push back on that a little bit. Um, We've got a, a, a bill dealing with professional licensing. Um, you know, we just saw the, the governor put out some executive orders dealing with some of the licensing boards. We're not dealing with the boards, we're dealing with the actual licenses a little bit. Um, we've got one uh, dealing with school bond debt reimbursement. A um, couple, three others, you know, and a couple of these things, um, you know, we think we can get across the finish line. A couple of them, it, you know, maybe they're a little bit larger policies. Maybe we can't do it this year, especially in my current position. Um, but, you know, we want to get them out on the table. We want to maybe try to have some hearings, at least let, you know, put put the, the concepts on people's minds um, so that if we're in a better position next year, maybe we can push them a little further um, and have, have a little better luck at it. So yeah, um, that's a lot of what our my office is going to be working on specifically this year. Boy, if you want to find something that I am interested in, that's a minor issue, I guess, compared to a lot of the other stuff. But yeah, the occupational licensing is a mm -hmm. huge, that's a personal pet peeve of mine. Sarah Montevano mm -hmm. and I got into that a bit on Monday. That's a little bit of a personal pet peeve of mine. And I was happy to see that the governor has dissolved through executive order. I don't know if it's going to stand or not. But he dissolved the board of what? Massage, hairdressers, barbers, a couple of and those. Midwives. Other, and midwives. Yeah, and midwives. So, 
Uh, now, now, the thing is, the governor has the power to get rid of the boards. He doesn't have the power to get rid of the licenses. Right, those are right. those are those are in statute, and and that has to be a legislative thing. So um, he's the the Constitution gives him the power to reorganize the executive branch. He doesn't have the power to get rid of the duties of the executive branch. Right. So he he can only go so far in that. Right. But I think it's a, at least it's a conversation starter, if nothing else. And I think makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense, especially for people who are coming to the state from other places. If we want to incentivize people to come to Alaska, uh, you know, take away the six months with no work thing where they have to go through and go through the whole licensing process for, a you know, maybe for an occupation that they've been doing for five, 10, 15, 20 years already. And now they got to be out of work for six months or work at, you know, Walmart or something while they're trying to get the rest of their stuff done. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, doesn't make any sense to me. I'm <clears throat> you got a worker shortage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially since we have a worker shortage, I'm really looking forward to a bigger discussion on that. Um, and I know the Reason Foundation has got a lot of research and work that they've done on that over the years. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, uh, somebody from uh, from your office or somebody else's office taps into somebody like that to bring more of that information forward to show that a restrict a reduction or a restriction in occupational licensing has a net positive effect in the long run because again it opens up more workers to you know Alaska and again even if it's still overseen by <clears throat> the department of uh, you know I don't know DEC or whatever licensure department that 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 goes over I think it would still be a uh, a good uh, a good one to have for sure all right. Um, well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on board, my friend. As always, I'm it's getting kicked out by a fighter pilot, aren't I? Yeah, you're getting kicked out by a fighter pilot. You just heard my phone ring. Uh, so <laughs> now I got to hook everything up to the phone and figure out how that works. So, all right. Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you coming on board. As always, it's good to talk with you, sir. We'll catch you later, Michael. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Rob Myers, our guest here on the Michael Duke Show. All right. Well, I got uh, Mike Shower on the phone. Let's see if I can get. Uh, let's see if I can make this all work here and get him on. Can you hear me, Mike? Uh, no. <clears throat> yeah, I can't. No. Hello. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. Good. All right. Well, I sent you the link, but you are still doing the phone thing. You're just shy, uh, aren't you? You're just shy. I. I'm a rebel, Mike. You're a rebel. I mean, I just wanted you to come on board and do the thing so we can see your bright, smiling face. But no, you're just like, <laughs> no. And don't call me Shirley. Um, so uh, hey, come on. that was funny last night. That was funny. That was good. Yeah, that was good. I said, I sent uh, I, Mike. I sent Mike a, a text to confirm that he was coming on, and he goes, "Surely you, Jess?" And I said, "No, absolutely not." And don't call me Shirley. Uh, so instead, he called me Francis, which is really weird. I mean, that's just super, super weird. That's two move references and two texts. I know. That's a, that's... I know. And then you saw my reply, which, of course, was Roger. Um, <clears throat> under, underdone. Over, <clears throat> Over under, underdone. Um, all right. So uh, we, we're all ready to go. You Are you bright and smiley? And, and uh, are you full of optimism about the upcoming session, Mike? You ready to... to, to tackle this whole thing and be ready to go bursting at the seams with optimism <laughs> i wow <clears throat> your sarcasm font is super strong i'm just saying right now your sarcasm font is it oh, super oh, strong okay. right now uh all right it felt so good when i said it i know it felt so true and right when i said it but it wasn't true and right 
Uh, all right. Uh, well, we're going to dive into this. Uh, my friend Mike Shower here, our guest, and we're ready to go. Mike, I'm going to put you on hold, and uh, we're going to come back to this. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, we'll we'll continue. Uh, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Look at that. Still 60, 27 likes. I mean, I'm going to be a, a little bit of a baby about this and keep asking you and bugging you because, again, the more likes we get, the more. And even if you're just trolling me, even if you're just working for the legislature, listening to the show because your boss told you to, you could still like it. It just means that more people get involved in the conversation. It just means that it has a propensity to show up on somebody's Facebook feed. Here we go. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on Fisher Favorite Radio Station and or FM Translator. Good morning and welcome back to the program. It is hour two of the Wednesday edition of the Michael Luke Show. Here we are, day two of the legislative session. And, you know, they had half a day or so yesterday. And so we're getting first thoughts from a couple of our favorite legislators. Just finished up with Rob Myers, uh, state senator from the interior up there in District Q. And now we're jumping over to uh, another legislator, state senator, part of the super minority, the gang of three. I don't know what else we could do to, to kind of put the, you know, to the dunce, part of the dunce patrol. I mean, you guys are in the corner with your dunce hats on. Uh, state Senator Mike Shower joins us this morning to discuss uh, what's happened thus far and what he sees coming down uh, in the uh, coming weeks. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Oh, like I said, I am bursting at the seams with optimism. Yes, exactly. Oh, the closet senators. That's a good that's a good one. The closet senators, because they parked you all in. I mean, I mean, your office is, you know, what, three by six. It's a cell and you're allowed to, you know, just be in there for as long as you need to be. Um, all right, Mike. So uh, we're seeing it yesterday, opening day of the session. We saw the first shots fired over the educational spending. The House uh, had their vote which failed. Uh, Shreggy's already said that he intends to bring this up again and again and again. This is the hill he's going to die on, he says. Uh, the state Senate said that their priorities are more education money spending, getting defined benefits in there, and then energy. And then the House just said, we just want to focus on energy so we can stop the out-migration from Alaska. Uh, you're in the wings watching, you know, with a bowl of popcorn. Uh, tell me, Tell me your thoughts here on the opening days of the session and everything that's happening right now. Well, first comment back to what you started with. I mean, people should be careful what they do, right? I mean, some of the issues a couple of us are having on the minority side that have been around for years, you know, this, this stuff happened five, six years ago, right? Um, haven't had the same issues. And frankly, if the previous governor, you know, had not vetoed the PFD, Mike, we probably wouldn't be here dealing with this minority and other issues today, because that, that really has been the fight. 
right minus the pfd if that had never been messed with and we just continued to follow the formula and then enacted you know a common sense comprehensive fiscal plan you know that would cap spending and keep us in line we we wouldn't have these issues there there would probably still be a republican majority that hadn't splintered there wouldn't be these personality um issues that some people just can't seem to forgive and forget and move on fast so we could govern um and so that that probably is the crux of the issue right there's always been fights over the budget always will be but it didn't cause generally this kind of fracture but i go back to michael be careful how you treat people right because you know what goes around comes around and frankly there's a few people in the senate that have been around a while ought to know better than this um some of them do some of them apparently don't and the reason i say that is some of them have been in a minority years ago which you will remember um, and others joined, you know, with the coalition and screwed over their comrades and some of them ended up in the basement for a while. So this happens with politics. It is, but be careful what you do because, you know, you, while you're sitting on the top, as the saying goes, be careful, you know, things roll downhill. Um, but one of these days you might find yourself downhill. So, you know, it's funny how things change with elections and, and, um, you know, organizations, you know, that's all I can say about it. Right. Because, right. Right now, a couple of us are getting treated very poorly, but funny how fortunes turn. And, you know, if you think that, you know, we're just going to forget that we've been treated this way. Well, no, Mike. I mean, that's you well, think we're going to just trust people that treat us this way. And next time, that, oh, yeah, I'm your friend now. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I ran you over for the last couple of years. I mean, come on, man. You well, treat people better. Than I that. mean, Rob, how it works. Rob said that you guys were told that if you behaved. If you behave, huh, yeah. you'd 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 get you know you'd get you'd be able to get back in the club, if you behaved. And he said, um, "Nope, nothing." Apparently, there you guys are still misbehaving. That apparently is uh, you know maybe we need to get you the T-shirt that's Malcolm Reynolds that says "We aim to misbehave" because <laughs> apparently you're still ruffling somebody's feathers down there. Well, I'm. Tell me how. Tell me how, Mike. How am I ruffling feathers? What have I said on the radio? I mean, I spent three quarters of the program last week with you trying to say, you know, no, calling people out and going down that path is doesn't work there because you have fragile egos and you have people that can't forgive or can't move past a, an incident six years ago. You know, they hold it with a grudge. So, you know, tell me how what we've done well, last year. We, we haven't done any of that. Right. We, we've talked about policies and, and, and bills, um, not about people. We've talked about things that are happening and, and what's important to the state, stuff like a conference fiscal plan, like I said, a fix to the PFD. The, these are the things we're talking about, not individuals. We we suggested a plan last year, um, you know, that would make it work. And all that we asked for is something very simple, you know, just separate the PFD basically so we can have a separate battle about it and move on. Nope, not good enough. So, yeah, you know, what exactly have we done that causes this? And the reality, Mike, this is back to that, you know, left-wing Demo Democrat, you know, projection. We're going to go out there and accuse you all of doing exactly what we do. But when the press repeats it, then, you know, it gets repeated often enough, it becomes a truth. That's a lot of what's going on right now, Mike. How we are being treated is, and, and what they're accusing us of, and a lot of this is behind closed doors, of course, because you're, we hear this through, you know, people that tell us what they're seeing and hearing, right? But they never do it out in public, right? Because they don't want to be accused of that, is they're doing the same things that they are accusing us of. They're projecting, right? Because that's the excuse. Right. I, I've, told, I've said it before, but I keep saying it again and again so people get it. This is about the Biden caucus and nothing more. The people that want 
that are willing to sell their soul to nine Democrats, many very left-wing Democrats, for a seat at the table for power and give majority control to the to the Democrats in the Senate when there's more Republicans than Democrats, then you are you are about power. And that's really what this is. And you have to have a reason to do that because some of these pe- people can't go back to the dishes and go, well, you know, yeah, I just decided to, you know, um, join with the Democrats. Well, that's not going to work well for some people. But if you go out again and you can assassinate the character of, you can say they're terrible people or they do this, that, or the other. Well, now you start to have some people that are going to believe the lie, right? That's what this was about, Mike. And like you said, I mean, up to the night before the organization was announced, you know, after the election a little over a year ago, um, one of the minority members, one of us was called and asked, hey, you can still join. You can still be on the team. Well, do I have to vote for the budget? Well, yeah, that's expected with us to find caucus. Well, well, I campaign against that. I can't do that. I mean, so for them to try to say that this is about personalities or anything else, Mike, get over it. Grow up. We don't have time for this. The Alaskan people expect us to govern, get over whatever your your differences are, whatever your personality problems, whatever you've had, move on and govern. But they want, and this is the crux of the argument, they want us to vote. They want to be able to assume that they have our vote on the budget, whatever it is. And remember that old thing, one of my buddies from prior, prior veteran, you know, it was like, Oh, well, you know, you get your shot at the, you get your, I think it was the bite at the apple was his favorite shot. Oh, you get your bite at the apple. No, you don't. They take the whole apple. You get a little tiny bite of it and then they're going to do what they want with the apple. That's what they always do, but they need to have your vote for the budget. And that Mike is ultimately what this is all about is the folks that are in power want to know that they're going to get the budget they want. They can manipulate, move the money, however they want. And they're always going to have that. And if you're not willing to play that game, well, then they're going to find a way to make you the bad guy, you know, so well, we had to join with those nine Democrats because, you know, we just can't count their votes, even though the three of us voted for the budget the previous year, oh, whatever, you know, that doesn't count though. Um, that's, that's really what this is. Mike, and look, the bottom line, go back to that's politics, right? I mean, right. they're able to get away with it because the press doesn't ask hard questions in Alaska in a lot of places, right? They don't ask questions about, well, how come you guys are doing this? Why why are you giving a majority to Democrats when there's more Republicans? How come you have a binding rule and you require people to vote? How, how is that ethical? You ever ask them, you ever hear them asking those questions? You ever hear the press ask the hard stuff about why they're doing that? You know, they ever ask them the hard question about how come you guys won't pass a comprehensive fiscal policy when you keep talking about all the budgetary problems you have? How come the Senate's entertaining, you know, uh, upwards or more than a billion dollars of new spending bills coming on when you guys say you're running out of money? I mean, these are the questions that a, a free press that's really objective would be asking. You know, why of the majority, the ones in charge, do they keep doing things? How come we still have this problem and it's not being solved? Right. But these are not the questions the press is asking. They're like, oh, well, you know, yes, I mean, uh, the, the defined benefit bill. Yes, everybody wants the defined benefit bill. You guys are really going to press. It's always powder puff questions. It's always questions they've coordinated on. Rarely is there a question where somebody's upset about it or, you know, you see something happening that is not, which is going to get you out of favor <laughs> as, right, a, right. as a reporter, right? Anyways, my, a lot of diatribe here. I get it. My point is all the bottom line, this is about power always has this politics There's nothing new under the sun. Um, you know, this is just, it is what it is, but, um, things change, you know, so it's the same group in power. It's the same status quo. The Senate is going to, you know, probably pass a defined benefit bill. I'm guessing 
I think we look at it, we had the votes are probably there. I don't think everybody wants it in the majority, super majority, but um, uh, I, I believe they had the votes. We'll be counting on the House to, to stop that right. from happening because right now it's not affordable. Well, I mean, um, the that's the thing. I mean, I, I you know, and I, and I, I want to slow you down here for just a second because that's the one that, uh, I mean, even with the increase in education spending, even if they get a BSA increase and everything else, I mean, I'm concerned about that. Don't get me wrong, but the defined benefits plan is the gift that keeps on giving, and it is the one that we right now don't know what the ultimate cost is going to be. We know it's going to be at least a billion dollars a year for the next nine, ten years. I mean, that's a serious that's a serious issue. Um, and again, we the as we were talking with Rob Myers in the last hour, defined benefit plans don't necessarily come unstuck in the first you know one year, five years, ten years. It's the twenty five year surprise. You know what I mean? It's the twenty, twenty five, thirty year surprise that really uh, gets you in the gets you in the end. And if we've already been spending a billion dollars a year to make it happen, and then we get the surprise at the end, it's going to be a real problem. I mean, it it it's a serious concern and. I don't. I haven't seen any compelling evidence to say it's going to fix the problems that they say it's going to fix. Well, that's assuming, right? That you know. Well, look here. We were having a, a little meeting yesterday. The three of us talking about it, and one of the minority members was saying that in a lot of conversations with first responders, for example, that it was more about um, pay. A lot of them don't really want the defined benefit plan. I mean, you're going to hear, right? I mean, the person's trying to sell people, I should say, that those that are trying to sell the, the defined benefit plan, they're going to tell you, right? They're going to, this is like the quintessential, what are the reporters do? They, they look out and they find that one person that fits the exact mold of the bill they're trying to, to pass, and they're going to pull on your emotional heartstrings, right? Of course, they're going to find a few teachers, uh, some law enforcement, some firefighters. It's all about the defined benefit. And that's who they'll interview, right? They'll have the big union leaders come in, PSEA and the rest of them. They'll have them tell you how, oh, everybody wants this. That's what they do, right? And, of course, what does the other side do? They'll find people that don't want it. I mean, that's that's how the game is played. Nothing surprising there. But I will tell you, when I was on the campaign trail, you know, not too long ago, we discussed this very thing. And, and I every person that was a Department of Corrections, Department of Public Safety, first responder, whatever, I asked him the question because it was coming up about defined benefits. What what matters to you? And Michael, tell you right now, not one of them was hung up on defined benefits, but every one of them was hung up on health care benefits because all of them had the same concerns. Like, man, what good is a, a 401k? What good is a defined benefit if my family is wiped out financially because of one health thing after I retire? One thing, right? And there are ways to look at continuation of health care, perhaps. Um, as well. But uh, the point I'm making for that is that this thing about, oh, you have to have defined benefits to re to recruit and retain. That's what everybody wants. That's the way. No, it's not. That's not what everybody wants. And I know that from firsthand knowledge of asking people, dozens and dozens of them on the campaign trail. I know it because businesses in the private sector are dumping it because they can't afford it because the federal government's made it so expensive. And how many billions upon billions of dollars, like you were talking about, we have to you know, keep on the books, right? And so that's not necessarily what everybody wants, Mike. And right. it's, it's it's being, you know, that's what the press is going to say. Right. They're going to dutifully repeat what they're being told. And we'll, we'll, I think it's break time, isn't it? It's break time. We got to go. We'll be back with time. more. Mike Showers, our guest. Uh, we'll continue here on the other side. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. Back with more and State Senator Mike Shower right after this.
Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, State Senator Mike Schauer is our guest. We're here in the break, ready to go. A couple good comments from the chat room. Let me go up here first. <clears throat> Brian Cherry uh, posts, Mike, you can't see the chat room because you're not in the chat room because you're <clears throat> not a rebel video. Uh, he says, quote, the issue is never the issue. The issue is power, unquote, from previous Sapo. Um, and that, I think you just essentially said exactly the same thing. The issue is never the issue. The issue is the power, the power behind the issue that do we have the power to do what we said? And that takes me back to Ter to Teresa's comment, which I think we should use from now on. It's not the binding caucus. It's the blinding caucus. Just don't look, <laughs> just, just don't look, just trust us. You know, this is like a trust exercise you see at those stupid corporate retreats where they blindfold you and they're like, just trust us. This is the blinding caucus. Just vote how we say it's the way to go. Um, and I, I, I agree. It is the blinding caucus. That's exactly what it is. You agree to do whatever they say, regardless of what it looks like, even though it's not in front of you. The first word of a budget hasn't been written. You haven't seen a single piece of paper that tells you exactly how much it's going to be. There's no guarantees or, or promises as to what it's going to contain, but you have to swear an allegiance. You have to, you know, you have to, to swear yourself blind fealty to the, uh, to the Lord of the realm. And uh, it's exactly what it is. It's bl the blinding caucus. Yeah. And it's fascinating on that one too, Mike, because I've heard some house members now that they are in the majority because, you know, for, most of my time down there, you know, early on, the, the House Republicans were always in a minority because there was those Republicans that were always quite happy to sell their soul to Democrats and join, right? Many of them probably really should have been d Democrats, frankly, but, you know, is what it is. In Alaska, we're weird. Um, Democrats and Republicans, you know, well, especially Republican side, R doesn't mean anything. You campaign one way, you govern another, and somehow people keep getting elected that way. <laughs> but what you, so be it. Uh, it's just a this is weird animal. But you know, when when you look at this, the how this plays out um, with that with that binding rule, that blinding rule, if you want to call that, they have they have gotten so used to being able to do this. This, you know, we know that this is going to happen this way. That um, they some of them, I think, don't know how to play the game any other way. And it goes back to that big tent, right? I said it before last week. I'll keep saying this one too because this is important. You have some Republicans that this big tent philosophy that oh we have a big tent and everybody's welcome well <clears throat> that's not true and the reason you know it's not true mike is because they always put certain republicans into a square corner and expect us to vote that way and but here's the thing they know that it's gonna it's gonna be political suicide and they do it anyways that tells you the level of power we're talking about that they will set up a budget battle that's going to hose certain members of the Republican caucus, and they don't care. They know if they set us up to vote for against the PFD or a budget that's too big that we have to start talking about taxes, that we're going to be in big trouble. They're not. Now, if you were truly a 
person that was interested in in all of the members of your caucus, you know, having a fair shot at it and then having some room to maneuver or wiggle if they go, yeah, you know, I understand you probably can't vote for this because, you know, whatever. Um, well, that would be different, but that's not what happens. They go, do it or else. If you don't do it, you're out. And then they kick you out of everything and strip your chairmanships and take away your committees <laughs> and totally screw you over, right, and your district, and then come back a few years later and get mad at you. It's your fault. <laughs> like, right, right. You can't right. make this up. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, how do you? How do you live with yourself when you look at that? You screwed us over, and now you're using, telling everybody we're the bad people, and that's why you're not working with us. What? Yeah. We didn't do this. You guys did this. Yeah. No, uh, it's got to be. Crazy. It's got to be the ultimate in frustration. I, 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 I could see that for sure. Uh, but yeah, the blinding caucus. I think that's the that's the new phrase of the day. Thank you, Teresa. You win the you win the internet for today. Uh, all right, Mike Shower is our guest. We're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe. Only half of you have liked the show today. I'm just saying. Only half. Here we go. Jumping back in. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Only a slight pain. <clears throat> Only a slight one. Not like Mike Shower. Man, that guy. Oof. Jeez. <laughs> uh, all right. State Senator Mike Shower is our guest. We're continuing now our discussion. Um, let's talk priorities, Mike. Uh, okay. So the House has said their number one priority. This is according to the ADN, by the way. I'm just I'm reading what the ADN has said. The House yeah, is well, there. That's not trustworthy, but whatever. <laughs> well, I was just, you know. Uh, the ADN has said um, that uh, the number one priority of the House is the energy situation. They want to do something with the uh, how to reduce the energy costs across Alaska. They're looking to stop the outmigration. That's what they're concerned about the 10 year, uh, 11 year outmigration in the state of Alaska. Now, the Senate. They've got a different set of priorities. They said number one for them is the public. They call it the public sector education crisis. And then they want to then they want to make sure that the employee situation is squared away with the defined benefits. And then they want to talk about the energy crisis. So you've got these two different <clears throat> agendas going on. What do you think is going to happen? What do you see happening uh, here? You mentioned earlier that you think a defined benefits bill is going to pass in the Senate. Although, again, we don't have any numbers yet. And Rob says that the new the new report on defined benefits is due out here any day now to give us some long term outlooks and everything. But uh, give us your predictions of what you think is going to happen with these two competing agendas. They do have one common point, but I don't know if uh, if all the oxygen won't get sucked up in the room on this other stuff. Well, Let's just look at some numbers, right? So, yeah, I mean, and it's going to be suspect of who's producing the numbers and for who, by who, uh, under what thumb are they being, you know, um, required to to produce these numbers? Because you can see some very wildly different numbers. Like I said, I have a, a person on the arm board that's feeding me intel as well, and uh, it's not a good, not a good sign, Mike, and not a good situation. And they're like, this is not affordable. And they said, that, and you want to do this with the same contribution rate from public em sector employees? Uh, person say, this, is, this isn't going to work. Um, and so you have 
to be very skeptical of the numbers coming out, depending on who's producing them, and then look at all of it in total and decide, you know, is there truth in here somewhere? Is it, is it often not one side or the other, right? I mean, the truth is often somewhere in the middle. So first of all, <clears throat> be skeptical of numbers, what it's really going to do. But I do see the, the kind of rumors we're hearing, you know, the intel, if you will, is, is that there are the votes to pass a defined benefit plan. I do not think there are the votes to pass a defined benefit plan in the House. So my hope is that um, until some common sense rules here on this and we have a comprehensive fiscal policy, that something like this of such a massive expense would have to fit within the construct of a comprehensive fiscal policy. Well, then that's a non it's a no brainer that this just dies. Right. So my hope is that um, the House would bury it <clears throat> or Christmas tree it or do whatever they have to do to stop it. Um, and or you'd have the governor as the backstop. And I hope that the governor would look at this go not affordable, can't do this right now um, and, and be the final backstop to a veto because they certainly wouldn't have the, the votes to, to override a veto if they were somehow able to get this through the body. Um, and this goes back to Mike, this is just pure math, right? This is this is about the money. They can say recruitment, retainment, all this kind of stuff they want. But you're talking about about 20,000 employees, maybe a little north of that if, if you include them all, right? What about the 280,000 or whatever private sector employees that we have to worry about. Talk about stopping the outflow of migration. If all you're going to do is take care of the 20,000 something state employees and say to heck with the private sector, keep spending money. And by the way, we're going to spend so much money, we're going to take every penny out of it because we're going to take all of the dividend earnings. No more of that's going to go in the private sector. And we're going to start taxing the private sector. Tell me how this is a balanced plan. Explain to me how this is going to work. Because all I've heard them complain about is we're running out of money. We don't have the money. We can't balance the budget. We got to take money from the dividend. Oh, but we're going to spend a billion dollars more, right, on just the public sector. How do those positions line up, Mike? How do you justify that? Why isn't the press asking the question? Right. Well, that's I mean, what I'd like to see. Well, and the thing, how can the press isn't going, "Hey, guys, you've been complaining about this for years. You're saying we don't have the money to provide a dividend, and now you're talking about a billion dollars of extra spending or more every year." Right. How, how does this how does this work out? Because you said we were we were going bankrupt. We can't afford to spend this. But you just took more than the entire dividend you've been paying for years and then some. Right. And if we're really, truly out of money, then that means you're going to be doing taxes next. Right. Just to pay for the public sector employee. Right. Retirement plan and an increase. See, these are the my points, Mike. Nobody's asking those questions from the press. Nobody in the supermajority in the Senate is talking about this. It's all about who are we going to give the money to? We're going to take money from everybody we can, including every single Alaskan, including the poor and the middle class out of the dividend. We're going to give it to 20,000 something public sector employees. Right. Do you think I, do you think I, I got no problem with public sector employees, Mike? They're, they do jobs that we need. DOT, right? Department of Public Safety, Department of Corrections. There's a lot of stuff going on that we've agreed to as a society we need. That's not the issue here. It's not those people. Like I said, I'm looking for ways. Things like healthcare continuation as opposed to, you know, defined benefits, things that we can afford that will work, that people really need, that really will matter to their families, right? Um, but look, the bottom line is it has to work on the math, right? There was a former senator, right? They always say the math's got to balance, right? You know, you got two problems you got to solve, the math problem and the, pub, the, uh, uh, the policy problem, if you will, the politics. Mike, the math isn't working, brother, and nobody is bothering to hit the senators, there are a few of them that don't agree in the supermajority, by the way. Right. Just look at that and, and pay attention to it. They don't all agree with this 
Um, but uh, unfortunately, most of them do. You probably get all the Democrat votes and they get enough Republicans to pass it. That's all that matters, right? So, but tell me, how is the math going to work, Mike, when all I've heard about is the fact that we can't afford a dividend because we don't have the money. And now they're going to look at passing policies in the Senate that are going to be more than that dividend was, but nobody's blinking an eye about spending that money. Right. Not, a, not, not bad an eye, Mike, but, well, we, but we care about the private sector. We care about energy. We care about outflow. You might want to figure out how to balance the checkbook before we start getting too big for our britches here, because I agree with the house, the energy issues we are facing besides the fact that we won't build a bridge, we won't build a dam, we won't build a refinery, we won't build a pipeline, we won't do any of that stuff. You better focus on getting your house in order because, Mike, you're not going to have a private sector. Nobody's going to invest here because this state's lost its mind on the state government side and what it's spending money on. Right. That's, that's the reality. Right. No private sector, Mike. You ain't got nothing else. You don't have anybody to take money from. Well, I think where's it going to come from? I think you're being a bit generous too, because you know you're saying twenty thousand employees. I mean, that's just the that's just the tip of the iceberg. Because the way that I understand it, and the way that that these bills are being written, is that this would retroactively include not just you know the base state employees, not just first responders, not just teachers, but it could include all state employees and even some municipal employees as well across the state. Uh, you know, to the point of where we're talking about 40,000 people now. Uh, and, but even still, 40,000 out of a workforce of 280,000 people, how does that, <clears throat> you're just going to benefit them on this instead of, and again, spending money that you say you don't have? Well, what they'll say is we can't afford your gigantic dividend because that's government money and we need to be able to spend this where we want. And again, it comes back to we know better than you where this money needs to be spent. But Mike, isn't that the crux of the issue? You have to grow a private sector. Your private look at Texas, look at Florida, places with good policies in place, state budgets that are balanced. They're bringing in businesses. They're making it enticing for the move here. We're going to give you tax breaks, and we're going to do this and that, all this stuff. And it's a great place to live and work. Well, Alaska could be a great place to live and work. It could be, but the state can't get its act together, Mike. Nobody knows what this state is going to do, and we already have a high cost of living. Right? We're way up here. You know, you got to fly to go visit family and do things. We are so unique in that sense that if you don't make it encouraging, if you don't make it very enticing for the private sector, some reason for them to want to invest and come into Alaska, you won't have a private sector, Mike. The government's not going to last very long when it takes every penny and then starts taxing the very private sector that can barely hang on and nobody wants to invest in unless it's maybe resource extraction. That's about the only thing really that you can you know, make money on. What's the big business up here, Mike, outside of resource extraction? Pretty much it's government. When you start looking at state government, municipalities, you look at federal government, all the military up here. I mean, that's the, that's one of the biggest sources of so-called income we have. But that income first has to be taken from the very private sector that you're relying upon to be vibrant um, and strong to be able to afford your government. Yeah. When our private sector is wheezing here and dying on the vine, and we're talking about spending more money as a state government on state government than we have, somewhere, Mike, there is a huge disconnect. We are broken if we can't see that. And when the people in charge of the body will refuse to enact, again, I keep saying it, a comprehensive fiscal policy that caps this spending, right? that does raise taxes if required to balance the budget, puts the PFD away, no more fighting over it. It's going to be this forever moving on. 
If we don't do that, again, I go back to you're an investor in the private sector. You're looking at Alaska. Heck no, I ain't investing up there. I don't know what those people are going to do. They, they spend more money than they have. That place is nuts. They're going to come after me, right? So why would you come up here as businesses when we're already way up here and more expensive and, and now you're going to do nothing but not balance your house, you know, as the state? Mike, you're, you're making it as unenticing as possible for people to want to come up here. Add a federal government to that that's hostile to resource, you know, extraction companies, to oil and gas and mining. It's like, goodness gracious. I mean, what we don't have a lot of things in our favor that way. And I'm not trying to be negative. You need to be positive, Mike. I understand that. But I also need to be honest. And you need to acknowledge what your problems are. And right now, the Senate supermajority has gone off the rails um, on how they're going to approach this problem we have of we can't afford the spending that they're enacting. We have no self-control and nothing to constrain us from that spending. And I go back to it circles back to the private sector, Mike. If you don't have a strong private sector to make money, to grow economically, you don't have anybody to pull money from. If we didn't have the dividend, Mike, or the I should say the permanent fund, this state would be half the size. Maybe that would be a better thing, government-wise right. and the rest of it. Well, because there would be nowhere to pull the money from. Right. We don't have anything else. That's the thing. I mean, once and once the money's gone, I mean, let's just say hypothetically they get a defined benefits plan in and it costs the one billion dollars a year that the, the, the numbers that we've seen so far. Um, I mean, that money has to come from somewhere. Obviously, it'll come from probably the dividend. Once the dividend is gone, what happens in the following years? Once the dividend that's, is completely so consumed, what goes tax. on then? Tax. tax. We'll keep saying the word, Mike. Taxes. They're going to come for a tax. They're right. setting this up so we're going to come for a tax. But here's my point. You have an anemic private sector. People are outflow. We have an outflow of migration because people go, I can't afford to live here. There's no job opportunities. I'm going down south. I'm going to Texas. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to places that are booming where there's an economy and I can I can get a job and make money and, and be pro I can prosper. Well, how are you going to survive in Alaska when your state government has now spent more money than it is taking in and it's going to have to tax that private sector? Right. Right. That anemic private sector that's barely hanging on and you're going to tax those people, too. I mean, come on, Mike. I mean. Other than tourists that come up here in the summertime, like a sales tax or something, a broad-based sales tax, where you could get some money out of the tourists that were coming up here and do, you know, that, that <laughs> income tax, everybody's going to leave the state. There's not going to be anybody left but people on welfare. Right. I mean, it's just, it's ludicrous, the path that they're on. And they just, so, it just, oh, what do you stand for, Mike? Be positive. I'll tell you what I stand for. I've said it on this program a thousand times, a comprehensive fiscal policy, get our spending in check entice the private sector to come up here and go, we're going to be pro-business. We're going to give you tax-free land. We're going to have deals with you. We're going to do all this stuff. They're not going to build bridges nowhere. If I stand for things that are common sense, Mike, just how do you balance your checkbook? How do you survive, <laughs> Michael Dukes? You well, got to balance your checkbook. You got to plan for the future. You got to put some money away. Common sense stuff, Mike, it's not hard. Those are the things I stand for. We're just not seeing it out of the Alaska Senate right now. Yeah, well, well, we haven't seen this is not just this is not just a this legislature problem. This is a long term legislative problem that's been going on for years and nobody has been willing to, you know, to to pull back on the reins and say, whoa, you you got to stop. I mean, I've been talking about this for 25 years, Mike. I've literally been talking about this same thing for 25 years and everything that I've talked about has come true and it's going to continue. And I think at some point. 
What I mean, I just don't see them pulling back until the wheels come off the bus. That's the problem. Once the PFD is gone, and I'm already seeing the arguments being formed. Oh, you Alaskans, you know, you've got to pay your fair share. Uh, you know, you're not like other states. You guys, free rides die hard, right? We've had a free ride in this state for so long with no taxation at all. Once the PFD has gone, I can see him coming back and saying, well, now you guys got to pay your fair share. You know, you've gotten the free ride and now you got to pay the fair share. And that's why we have to do taxes. Not because right, we, all, 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 all six of us left. Yeah, all six of us are going to stare and say, pay because that's all that's left. Exactly. <laughs> well, unless you're a government employee. And it's interesting because you talk about government employees. And well, let me talk about that on the other side because we're we're up on the break right now, and I want to. Uh, uh, your turn. Yeah, it's you my my turn to get to get shut down here. We're going to continue here in just a second. <laughs> Mike Shower is our guest. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We return with more, and Mike Shower right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, Mike Schauer is our guest. We're in the break right now. Let me see if there's been any good comments in here. Um, Yeah. Denise says, Mike, maybe, and I don't know which Mike she's talking to, me or you, maybe you can answer. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Uh, Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a hard decision, isn't it? I mean, like you said, there's been a huge outflow in the state and in other states, and many people are streaming to places, you know, like Texas and Florida because- those economies are booming. They figured it out. They pulled their, you know, they pulled their state governments together and are you know, are mostly uh, living within their means and doing things like that. And you know, I don't know. I can't answer for you, Denise. Maybe Mike can, but I, you know, it, it's difficult. Do those places have, you know, different setups and different forms? And some of them have taxes and different. Yes, but they are still booming because they've reduced the size and scope of government to live largely within their means. I mean, here in the state, you just got to think about it. Since 2011, 2012, we have emptied out every piggy bank we could find. I mean, $16, $17 billion out of the CBR, drained the SBR, you know, tapped into the permanent fund, uh, you know, skewed the ERA formula. We've done everything we can do. And I mean, we, the, we've been basically been spending more than we've taken in for over a decade at this point. And I just don't know how, like you said, Mike, the math doesn't lie. How do we, you know, how do we, and what do we do? I don't know. Maybe you got to break it first, Mike. Maybe we got to crash down from a state perspective and, you know, it just flatten, you know, you flatline it, you know, where you finally start electing people that come in and go, okay, well, this has got to stop. We got to balance the checkbook and, and and get into that NFL rebuilding year. You know, we're going to be rebuilding this for a couple of years to have a team again. I, I don't know. Maybe that's the <clears throat> sometimes right. I mean, sometimes you have to crash to realize right. you got a problem, you know, and fix it. And it's got to be a hard crash. And then everybody that that caused the crash, they they don't get blamed for it because they're already gone. They retire. They go away and scurry off into the corner. 
and you know that people forget about them but you know sometimes the adults have to come in and pick up the pieces that's just the way it is perhaps i mean I, i'm not saying that is that how it has to happen it's just that's a certainly a possibility because too many people seem to be just absolutely don't care that we're on you know a collision course with reality here soon so maybe now back to her question on should she stay or should she go I don't know if she can hear us now or we have to go back on radio. Oh, she can. That's hear an us. individual. Yeah. Okay. That, that's an, that is an individual, I think, decision for all of us because this is home for me. I mean, I could be in other places where cost of living was lower and based on salary and things I'm doing, I could be living a much higher um, standard, uh, you know, and things like that. But, and, and economically, there'd be business opportunities. I could be doing stuff, you know, in, in addition to flying uh, as a airline pilot and making a lot of money. I've got friends down doing all kinds of neat stuff down south. But, this is home, Mike. This is this is the state that Michelle and I fell in love with. This is this is our ground, right? If you will, it's where a lot of our most of our kids and grandkids are. We don't have any desire to leave this place. This is this is the place that we just love it. We love this state, the feeling of stepping off the airplane here, the environment, all of it. And so, I'm not willing to give up the ghost and go somewhere else because I want to fight to make sure Alaska's that free place that you can ride your four-wheeler down the side of the road without having some greenie from California, get off the side of the road. You're ruining it for everybody. Right. Or you can't fish here or you can't have that float plane here. It makes too much noise. I mean, you're seeing that, that mission creep of people coming up from the lower 48, getting involved in everybody else's business. You know, it used to be Alaska was the land of opportunity. Come up here, young man and chase gold, right. Or get a job in the oil industry. And you're going to, I mean, there, that was the, you know, you go back even, 15, 20 years ago, there was still that spirit up here. And I feel like people are going, yeah, you know, well, Alaska doesn't have a lot of opportunities. So I think I'm going to head down to Texas, you know, where they're, where they're booming and I'm going to be a millionaire. Right, I mean, right. that's how do you stop that? So individually, I think you got to make that decision, Mike, each of us and what works for your family and what you got to do. But I, like you, you know, I mean, we're both tired and it gets frustrating. Um, but we're still here swinging. Well, it also depends. We care about this. Place. Yeah, it also depends on the time of time of your life and everything else. I mean, Brian says those of us who are approaching retirement are seriously asking that question. Sometimes more so after I get this daily sure. dose of reality. And you're right. If you're looking at retirement where you'll be on a fixed or a diminished income, that you do have to ask those questions. And you I should. would, you yeah. know, I want what I want is a state that's better for my children than it was for me. And I don't know if I see that right now. That's the scary thing. You know, do my kids and their and kids get a, get a better shot than I did? I, that's why we've got to keep swinging, Mike. At a minimum, keep swinging on this comprehensive fiscal policy because that you and I both discussed this many times. Your, your listeners have heard, but I do think that's very important because if we can enact that, states like Florida, Texas, and others have done that, Mike. They've, they've created an environment where their state government has to live within its means. Look at how some of them are booming. We can do that, too. We just got to get past this problem we're seeing with some people in the legislature. So, Oh, Lord. Okay, we're getting ready to go back into it. Here we go. Uh, please like and share, like and follow. Um, all those, every time you hit the like button, it, uh, it helps the, uh, the secret algorithm share it with more Alaskans, and that's what we need right now. Mike Showers, our guest. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free, thick, and radio. Here we go.
Okay, uh, here we go. One final segment. Uh, Mike Schauer is our guest, state senator from District O down here in the Matsu. And we're talking about this upcoming legislative session. Uh, now, one thing I haven't mentioned, Mike, of course, is that it is an election year. And so you got all the representatives and 10 of the senators who are up for up for a turn and everybody's, you know, everybody's uh, ready and raring to go. They want to get out of there to go do it done. Do you think it means we still stretch out to 121 days? Do we get it done sooner? <laughs> Mike, uh, Mike, I know. Come on. I, hey, come on. Come on. I'm, come on. Let a guy dream, you... shower. Come on, let a guy dream a little bit here. Okay, if if there's disease X, if yeah. there's COVID twenty twenty four, yeah, yes, maybe we'll be out in ninety days because that's the only thing I've seen was the scare of a major pandemic that originally was going to kill everybody, um, was what it took to get us out of there in less than ninety days. Barring that, I see it as highly unlikely that we get out, you know, pretty much close to the hundred twenty day limit because. That's the M.O. of the people in charge, especially on the budgetary side. They know that if they get out early, people have days left, weeks left. They can maneuver. They can say no. They can renegotiate the deal, right? Uh, the old Darth Vader, you know, I've altered the deal. Pray I don't alter it further. Right. If you take it to the last day or two, Mike, well, then that's the pressure, right? They want to get out. They want to go home and campaign. They got to get out of there. The, the constitutional limits, so then they got to take votes on extending 10 days and special sessions, and nobody wants that. It's not popular with the public. So if they take it to the very end, the people that have been doing this a long time, they know that the pressure works in their favor to get what they want, right. to force people to, to negotiate, to a deal that, that, you know, at 90 days, people would not agree to the same deal they're going to agree to on day 120. Right. right. Like, fine, fine, I'll take it, whatever. I mean, that's kind of where this goes. So, again, savvy on their part. I don't like how it's done, but they know that it works. So right. they're going to keep using it, Mike, time, until time, they get cold. It's yeah, good. time compression is a weapon. That's I yeah. mean, We've talked about yeah, that here. Absolutely. Uh, the ADN reports that, uh, you know, at the very end of the article about, you know, the opening day of session, it talks about the acrimony between the House and the Senate at the end of the last, uh, uh, at the end of the session here last year. And uh, I found it interesting, and maybe you can give me your commentary and thoughts on this, because uh, people have talked about, well, how do we avoid it? You know, how do we get this? How do we do that? Uh, Rob Meyer said that, you know, hope that he hoped that it would be more respectful between the two bodies. Uh, he said lawmakers should remember that it takes two to tango. And then, of course, Stevens tongue in cheek is like, oh, it's a difficult dance, but I think we're up to it. And then this was the thing that got me asked if anything has changed in the dynamic between the chambers since the legislature was last in session. Kathy Tilton, the House Majority Leader, said the House Majority had conversations with Senate leadership about avoiding similar situations in the future. And then the quote from her. Well, I guess fool me one shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. So it sounds like they really didn't come to any kind of agreement of we won't treat you poorly anymore. What, I mean, you got any predictions as to how this is going to go down? I mean, I don't think that the house is going to be as genteel as they were last year where they're like, Oh, we're, we're done a month early here. Have the budget. Give us the other one. When you're done with it, we're ready for it. And then to get submarined at the last five hour limit uh, with, with a turducken bill. I mean, what do you, you got any predictions or any thoughts on what might happen or what looks like might happen? Well, predictions, I hope that the House has learned its lesson that the Senate old guard that's in charge, the ones that actually run the entire legislature, Mike, as there is anybody that's been around this block watching for a while, and you understand that there's only a few people really running it that know how to play the game, and they've been given the power, and they're going to use it and wield it to their advantage at every possible turn that they can do. If the House hasn't learned its lesson, 
then the house is going to get that, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, you know. Um, so I hope the house has learned the lesson. They would be foolish to not hold that budget until the Senate hands them the budget. I mean, look what they did to him last year, Mike. If you to repeat the same thing and think, oh, well, this time, Charlie Brown, they're not going to pull the football. You know, Lucy's not going to pull. The, you're a fool to do that. I, if I was the house, Mike, I would be holding that budget. Go, yeah, Senate. Yeah, hand it over. When it's in my hands and I'm holding it, then you can have the other one. That's how I'd be playing the game because I don't trust them, Mike. I mean, they've done it to you once. It's that same thing. You really going to trust them this time? Until what? Then you give them the whole process and they do it again. And then what? Next year's a, a whole new two-year session with new people in charge. And they'll do it again. So because so, they'll have new people and they won't understand it. So you do right? you so, so do you, yeah, so do you see uh, you know, the House and the Senate holding each budget until I mean, is it down to the last day where they're, you know, you see them standing in the hallway and they've got their hands on each other's papers and they're like, let go on one, two, three, and it's the last day of session? I mean, do you see it that or do they get it done no, earlier I, than that? What do you I, think? I No, I don't think that's how it will play out. But I think that the House is going to have to, you know, draw that line in the sand and go, gentlemen, um, until we have the budget this time based on what you did to us last year, then we're not going to hand you ours. I mean, if they got to sit out there and have a, you know, a uh, armistice ceremony of North and South Korea where there's the line drawn in the hallway and they're both standing there, you know, with a copy of it and they do a one, two, three handed off. I mean, uh, to that level, I mean, I know we're kind of joking, but that's kind of to me where I think a lot of the House members are going to want to see it happen. Why would you trust the Senate majority to hand you the budget on good faith when last year they screwed them over? That's not that's not a good way to do business, Mike. And it's really caused, like you said, it's really torpedoed the relationship between the House majority and the Senate supermajority because of what they did. And I think I think the Senate president knows better. I think he, he sees that. He made a comment to that effect of, you know, on the floor yesterday after Rob made a, a uh, Senator Myers made a, uh, a, a little special, you know, end of the floor session speech about it. And you can see, uh, you know, the Senate president was like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's like, yeah, we got to do that. And I think he understands it's a process thing, right? Respect the institution. Because he always has. And that was not the way to respect the institution and the balance of power between the, the House and the Senate. So I don't, prediction, you asked, I don't think it's going to happen the same way. I hope the House looks at that and goes, no way are we doing that again. Um, and that they've learned a lesson, a hard lesson about those few people that actually run the legislature are never going to be fair. Um, they're going to take every advantage they can to, to manipulate the money. Because for a lot of Mike, that's what it is. It's all about the money. They don't care about, you know, there's a lot of these guys never file bills. They don't do social policy. They want to control the money flow. You should be following the money. Again, back to the reporters. If we had decent reporters, they would be following the money. Who's getting money in this state? Where's it going through the finance tables? Who might have a business or a spouse in the business that have, um, money is flowing through those tables? These are the questions people should be asking, Mike. Um, follow the money on some of this stuff and then look at the policies and who's executing what you mean there's you're saying that paraphrasing a press release is not reporting is that what you're saying i'm pretty much saying that yeah <laughs> and and since we have no alternative press up here really to speak of right at least in some place like dc you might get reporters on the other side of the spectrum at least a few of them right that might throw some hard questions up there and that's when they always get mad at them oh stupid question right somebody was asking carrie I read about that yesterday at the Davos conference, and he's like, well, what's your, you know, what about your footprint, your carbon footprint? He's like, stupid question. You know, I'm like, oh, there you go, right? Kill the messenger, because you know the message is bad, right? So it's like, 
that's a stupid question. I'm like, no, actually, it's a really legitimate question, Mr. Climate Czar Kerry, because <clears throat> you are flying private jets all over the world um, while you're telling the rest of us to eat bugs and, you know, and, and ride on a bus. So it's that hypocrisy, right? So anyways, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. I hope the House plays hardball. I think they have to, to do it right and to right. have an opportunity and not be hosed by um, the supermajority like they were last year. So we'll see. We'll see. No more turduckins. God help us. That's a hard problem too, Mike, right? Back yeah. to the blinding caucus. The blind, I mean, yeah. when, you put it, when you put it all together, it's an all or nothing. Yeah. If you separated the dividend, you separated the capital, you separated the operating budget, there'd be some thing. Mike, I could probably, I've tried to tell that, separate it out. I'd probably vote for the capital budget, right? Right. Because that's things we have to do. We're behind on infrastructure. That's never been a big problem for me personally. That's just something we suck it up, Buttercup. You got to do that. We, we are, that's something we can't do individually. So that's never been much of a problem for me. And we're, but they we're behind. Can't, they I'm can't okay catch them up. Yeah, but they can't separate that stuff out because then they may have a few defectors on things like the permanent fund or something like that. And then, oh, then then I that know. would show discord and they, they couldn't do that. All right. Well, Mike Shower, well. Uh, uh, we're, we're out of time. Uh, the Blinding Caucus wins again. Uh, we're we're out of time. we got to go. Uh, thanks for coming on board and joining us. Uh, hold the line for just a second. Folks, we will see you tomorrow. I don't know who we're going to have on. Maybe we'll see if we can get Kathy Tilton on. I don't know. Uh, or it just might be you and me. But be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, Mike, final bite at the apple. Anything you're focused on, whatever. I mean, just you you get the final word here this morning on the program as we go. No, no, no. Just like the budgetary process, Mike, in the Senate, you get a little bite at the apple as the guest, and the host gets to do whatever they want with the program at the end and cut you off. So <laughs> I know how this works. <laughs> I'm sorry. Were you, were you talking? Yeah, I had you muted. I did. We had you yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're out. <laughs> what? What do you see on this? Oh, three wavy lines? Wrong yeah, again. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, but any final thoughts here, Mike? I mean, what can we do? How can we help? What do we, I mean, I, I just don't even know at this point. Uh, you know, Mike, it is what it is. It's politics. Um, keep, you know, telling your people to get engaged. Have them, there is a small core group of activists. They, they, can, they can't get tired. <clears throat> keep calling your legislature, writing, calling in, testifying, even if you feel like you're not making a difference. If you don't, they're going to think they can get away with whatever they want because the public is tired and they'll wear you down. So, you know, like I said, ne'er, I forget how you said that one, ne'er do, and, ne'er do well in good doing or something. You have some saying you always use all the time. I don't remember it, but use that one. Don't, don't, grow, keep, weary, keep, don't grow weary in well-doing is what I said. That yeah. one. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much. So just keep fighting, folks, I mean, because it's worth it. Uh, you know, for the future, it's this this session is probably going to be a status quo, most likely. Hopefully, the the House and the governor will help stop you know some of the craziness and spending, and we'll just keep hammering away at a conference of fiscal policy, Mike, till we put our house in order. And maybe if we do that, and maybe if we have a different president and a federal government that's not so hostile to a resource state like us, maybe the future of the next four years could be bright, right? Maybe the state uh, government will start to turn the ship a little bit, and maybe the feds won't be so bad, and you know, we could have four years of starting to get our house in order, Mike. So there's there's hope on the horizon. You just got to keep fighting for what's right and and don't don't break the bank in the meantime and and flatline the plate the patient. So yeah. keep your fingers crossed, folks. Keep hope because there is hope out there. We just got to see how it's going. Twenty twenty four is gonna be a pretty wild ride, I think. So uh, hold on to your hat. I can't. 
I can't wait to see, especially with this new report coming out and everything on the defined benefits. All right, we'll be watching it all. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you maybe in a couple weeks or next week. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I'll let you know. We'll talk about it. Take care, man. All right, brother. Talk to you soon, folks. We're out of time. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show